right. Enjoy listening to that good singing. I get to be the one where I hear all your voices coming up this way, and so sing it out. I remember Pastor Mitchell, or somebody recently was talking about singing. I think it was Pastor Mitchell last night, but uh, I remember as a teenager coming here to Fairhaven, <clears throat> when you're a part of a small church, if you sing out, everybody hears you. But man, I come to Fairhaven, and the, the music was loud from the orchestra, and everybody's singing loud. I remember it was an amazing feeling just to be able to sing as loud as you can, and nobody can hear you. Only me and God and the two people next to me. <clears throat> it's a good thing. All right, Judges chapter 18, verse number 1. <coughs> Excuse me. Please bear with my voice this morning. But Daniel, sorry, Daniel. Judges chapter 18 and verse number 1. We're talking about Dan this morning. So that's why the name Daniel already has come off my lips. Sorry for you that are named Daniel, Wagner, and Crab, and Danielle, and Danza. I went through the list. I think I got all the D's, Dan's, right, did I? But um, so I'm going to be saying your name a lot, but I'll stick with the Dan for the most part. I'm preaching this morning on Dangerous Dan. Dangerous Dan, not you. Um, remember uh, the, the story, the kid's story, right? Dilly Dally Dan, Dilly Dally Dan. Uh, Dan, whenever it was time to do something, he was always doing something else. He was always dilly dallying. And so I told my bus kids yesterday, I said, you know, you know what dilly dally means? It means to lollygag. And they were like, what's lollygag? I said, you want to know what lollygag means? It means to dilly-dally. And they never figured that one out. But uh, I looked up those two terms, and they literally mean the same thing. It means to uh, aimlessly wander. You ever seen college students like that? Or high school students like that? Especially on the basketball court? <laughs> right? What are they doing out there? They're just running around, you know. Um, but Dilly Dally Dan, uh, there's another D, 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 Dunkin' Donuts. Mm. A number of years ago, I was in Cambodia, and uh, over there, they, they don't uh, care too much about our uh, copyright laws. And so I'm, we're driving along this little street, and all of a sudden I see a I mean, it was the Dunkin' Donuts picture, you know, and everything. The colors was right. And on the sign, it said, Donkey Donuts. <laughs> and they sold coffee and donuts. But, um, but we're not doing that this morning. We're going to preach about Dan, the tribe of Dan, and the city of Dan, and the person Dan. So let's uh, read Judges chapter 18, verse number 1. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For, all that, for unto that day all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coasts, men of valor, from Zorah and from Eshtael. If you recognize those two cities, there's a famous Danite who grew up between Zorah and Eshtel, the Bible says. His name was Samson. 
But these five were sent to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, to those spies, go search the land. Look down at the last part of this chapter then, verse number 29. Uh, There's a lot that's happened in this chapter, but the tribe of Dan ended up uh, moving to the north. In verse number 29, they called the name of the city that they conquered Dan, after the name of Dan, their father, who was born unto Israel, howbeit the name of the city was Laish at the first. And the children of Dan set up the graven image. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up, Micah's graven image, which he made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. I want to preach about dangerous Dan this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach. I pray that you'd help each of us this morning to be challenged and to be warned about living like Dan. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Help us as we look into this today. Give us direction in our thinking. And we pray Pray also, God, that you'd help some in here who are struggling with sin, struggling with different things in their life. I pray, God, that today we'd see some victories because of this message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'd like to give you some things, first of all, about who Dan was. Dan, the son of Jacob, his name means judging or a judge. Rachel uh, saw in the birth of this child God's acceptance of her claim to motherhood, the evidence he had heard her prayer. That's where the name uh, Dan comes from. Uh, He's not the son of Rachel, but he's named this. In Jacob's blessing in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob adds this statement describing Dan. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an adder in the path that biteth the horse heels so that his rider shall fall backward. Um, Kind of a cryptic message, very Frightful, really, message about Dan. He'll be a serpent in the way. At the time of the Exodus, the tribe of Dan was the second largest of all the tribes. There's 62,700 grown men in the tribe of Dan able to go to war, according to Numbers chapter 1. One of the tribes... This or Dan is one of the tribes that increased slightly during the years of wandering and were second again in the census at the at the end of numbers uh, with just a slight increase. So it's a large tribe. Uh, the largest tribe is Judah. The second largest is Dan. Dan is mentioned briefly in Moses' blessing of the tribes in in uh, Deuteronomy chapter thirty three, where he says that. Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. So the idea of vigor and ferocious is the tribe of Dan. Sounds like a tribe that you'd want to be a part of. Sounds like a tribe that once you get into the land of Canaan, we're going to see great victory. We're going to give them a piece of property and they're going to take that land over and they're going to conquer it. They're going to take all the cities that are given to it, and they're going to conquer those cities, and we're going to see success. But that's not what happens. In Joshua chapter 19, please turn over to Joshua chapter 19. This is the story of of Joshua dividing this section of land to the tribe of Dan. 
<clears throat> at the distribution of the land by Joshua, Dan's lot is the last one to be given away. What they had done is they sent some surveyors, if you will, out across the land of Canaan, and they divided all the land into sections. And then they brought that back to Joshua, and he took the, the, uh, the Lord's direction, if you will, the Urim and the Thummim, and divided up the land according to the tribes. And here in Joshua chapter 19 is the last tribe finally being divided off to Dan. Look at uh, Joshua chapter 19 all the way down to verse number 40. And the seventh lot came out for the tribe of the children of Dan according to their families. And the coast of their inheritance was Zorah and Eshtil. And it lists off a whole lot of other cities that were also a part of their inheritance. Look at verse number 47. And the coast of the children of Dan went out too little for them. So we read in Judges chapter 19. 18, Judges chapter 18, now here in Joshua chapter 19, both times we see that the section of land that was given to them was too small. It was too small. Now, they had a lot of soldiers. We already saw that. They were prepared for greatness, if you will. But their coast is too little. Therefore, the children of Dan went up to fight against Leshem. That word Leshem is the same as what's found in Judges chapter 19, Laish. And took it and smote it and they spread out. So here it doesn't say anything about why that happened. It just says that it happened. They were, the land was too small for them. We'll get to that in a little bit. So they're in cramped quarters. The Amorites are resisting them. The Philistines are in possession of much of their sea coast. There's land there to be had, but they didn't take all the land. So then we come to Judges chapter number 18 and we find this pretty spectacular event in the history of the tribe of Dan. Their trek to the north. They're traveling to the north to take possession of a different land. So instead of trying to gain possession of their allotted portion in the land of Canaan, they go to the north and they take over this peaceful city that didn't have much set up by way of, of uh, defenses. It looks like it was ruled over, at least at, from a distance, by a different city, uh, Sidon. But uh, Laish was a, a peaceful city, and here comes the tribe of Dan. They come to the city of Laish, they kill everyone in it, and they take over this easy city, and they build fortifications there. And the Bible says that along the way, uh, while they were going to the north, they stopped by a, a previous contact in the land of Ephraim. And they pick up a priest. And the Bible says that they take this priest and he had with him, stolen by the way, he had with him a graven image made of silver. 1,100 shekels of silver, worth a lot. And the story how all of that happened is pretty hilarious in Judges chapter 17 and chapter 18. But here's this priest, and he's got a graven image. He has an ephod that he would wear on his, on his chest, and it had probably some things to discern the will of the Lord in it. And, and boy, they've got their own little system to set up there in the city of Dan. And the Bible says, and we read it in Judges chapter 18, 
that they would use this separate form of worship until the days of the captivity of the north. We're talking for hundreds of years. We're talking literally the entire time that uh, Solomon and David, David and Solomon, Solomon had the temple set up at Jerusalem. Before him, uh, Samuel had the tabernacle set up at Shiloh. Oh, no. But the tribe of Dan during all of this time, they have their own worship system. They have a separate worship system. Oh, yeah, we're still Jews. We still claim Jehovah God. But we have other systems of worship as well. A pretty spectacular event. And uh, the Bible actually gives them uh, credit as far as they had success. They were able to gain the victory. They, they were able to settle in Dan. I've been to the city of Dan and the walls that were built there, at least at some point, there's huge walls and gates and, and towers and so on. Quite the place. But the city of Dan had an alternate form of worship. The conquest of Laish in the time of the judges was probably followed by the gradual removal for many, if not most, of the tribe. There's not a whole lot said about the tribe of Dan in later years. I was looking through uh, the time of the prophets, and there's not much said. There's Dan, after that, simply becomes an outpost. From Dan to Beersheba, it's the furthest north during the time of the prophets. Now, Dan was still a tribe for a long time to come. There's evidence of that. Um, But I thought it was very interesting. Revelation chapter 7 lists out what the Jehovah's Witnesses like to believe is them and many other groups like to believe. The 144,000. And would you be surprised to find out there's one tribe that's listed twice. Who would that be? Tribe of Joseph, one of Joseph's sons, Manasseh. Manasseh, Joseph gets two of those 12,000 groups in the 144,000, but there's one tribe that's missing in that list in Revelation chapter 7. It's the tribe of Dan. Dan's not to be found. I went through and checked again to make sure. Uh, It's not in the list. What happened? I believe that God let Dan fade off the scene. The tribe of Dan was lost. Other tribes were not lost. All the other tribes have mentioned, but not the tribe of Dan. So I want to look at this idea today. What happened? How do you go from the largest tribe and having uh, all of these warriors, having Samson come from your tribe? You know, one of the the greatest deliverers of all time. I I love the stories of Samson, but I'm not an advocate of Samson as a person, obviously. But but how how do you go from having some of the greatest warriors, uh, a lion's whelp, I mean, strong and powerful and ferocious, to just simply fading off the scene and disappearing? Well, there's several reasons for that. So I've got some D's again that we're going to continue with. We said it's dangerous, Dan. So let me give you four reasons why I believe that Dan goes off the scene. Number one, I want you to notice designated Dan. Designated Dan. 
Go back to Joshua chapter 19, uh, or if you're there already. Verse number 40, I already read it. Um, but Joshua had given to Dan, the tribe, this area. The seventh lot came for the tribe of the children of Dan, according to their families. Dan had been given an, a specific place to be. That place was right next to the, the worst group of people that they wanted to be near, and that was the Philistines. Philistines are very, very powerful in just later years by the time it's believed that by the time you get to even the, 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 the story of Samson, of course, it has a lot to do with the Philistines, but that the Philistines were very, very powerful. In the times of, of Samson, there's already a number of Danite cities that are mentioned as Philistine cities. Dan is given the mountains. Now, the mountains are nice to look at, but mountains are not nice for farming, but Dan also had the, the prairies, had the, uh, the sea coast. And the sea coast, and I've driven through that sea coast and I've read about this, that, that sea coast was probably enough for them to raise enough grain to, to feed all of the land of Israel if they'd have worked it right. The, the area of Dan was a very highly uh, successful area, wonderful valleys and plains and sea coasts. A lot of mountains though too. So the, the point is, the tribe of Dan was given this area, this possession. The word that's used in Joshua a number of times is this lot. You ever heard the, the idea that you've been given a lot, not a lot of things, but a lot, a specific place in life. What's your lot in life? You ever heard that phrase? Now, all of you, all of us, we have a possession. We've been designated a place by the Lord. You've all been given a place. What are you doing with that possession that you have? God's given you parents that nobody else has. You say, well, you don't know my parents. And, and my parents didn't do this right, didn't do that right. God didn't. That didn't take him by surprise. God gave you that possession, your family, your church. It, it might not be the best situation, but it doesn't matter. God puts you there for a reason. The difficulties, the mountains. But he also gave you valleys and plains with plenty. God's given you in your possessions all that he wants you to have your direction in life your ministry is from God that's your possession you say well I didn't choose my ministry it was chosen for me that didn't take God by surprise listen if you're in a ministry God's given you that as your lot as your possession what are you gonna do with it your job God's given you that. That's, that's something that you have. You say, well, again, I wouldn't be working there if I didn't have to. But that's where God has you. See, when God puts you somewhere, that is your possession. That is your place. And you can either, you can either sit there and just reject it and hate it and call it miserable, or you can just say, hey, this is where God has me. I'm going to enjoy this. Man, I, I loved being in college. I remember there was guys in college that said, man, this, I don't want to be here. All It was all attitude. Man, just embrace where God has you and learn from that. 
the, the Philistines were nearby to the, the Danites. The strongholds were there. The resistance was difficult. And they wilted under that pressure. The Danites said, oh, this is too much. We can't take the, the valleys. The Philistines and the Amorites have chariots. It's too much for us. Look, wherever God has you, it's not too much for you. Wherever he puts you, it's not too much. Some people make excuses about everything. If your possession has mountains, he gave you the ability to conquer those mountains. If your possession has enemies with chariots, he gave you the wherewithal to capture those. If your possession has friends that influence you the wrong way, then he gives you the the strength to say no or to change those friends. If your possession has you single for years as a young adult, guess what? God gives you purpose to fulfill your life anyway. Uh, There was a young lady that I graduated high school with. Uh, She graduated college four years later. And uh, she was, I think, a pretty serious relationship with a young man. That fell through. She said, I'm, I'm going to do what God wants me to do anyway, even if I'm single. And she decided she was going to figure out she wanted to be a missionary in Thailand. So she went to Thailand. She was a missionary for years, number of years, in Thailand as a single lady missionary. Wasn't, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years that she spent over there, I'm guessing, maybe longer. And uh, she got married. Now she has a family of four children, I think. And guess what? They're missionaries still in Thailand. God gave her what she needed, what she wanted. And I'm convinced it's because she didn't just say, well, you know, I'm single and this is terrible and life is, life is over for me. She, she got purpose in life. And that's, I think, the the lesson here. If your possession has you in full-time ministry, God gives you the knowledge and the patience to fulfill that work. If your possession has you in in non-full-time service, as a lay person in a church, whatever your possession is, God knows about it. He has you there. You say, well, I, I didn't want this. doesn't matter. Job didn't want his situation either. Whatever situation you find yourself in, See that as a designated place from God. God put you there for a reason. If you see that, it'll give you purpose. And and I'm telling you, we need purpose in life. If there's anything, young people, uh, teenagers, if there's anything that'll, that'll make you frustrated, if there's anything that'll make you feel like your life isn't accomplishing anything, it's because you don't have purpose. Uh, it's like trying to push a string. You ever you ever done that? You know, you're trying to push something through a pipe or a, like an electric uh, uh, copper line through a, a pipe. You're trying to set some electric. I've done that a number of times. Trying to shove it through and it just wrinkles around or it goes the wrong direction or whatever. It's it's trying to push that through. It doesn't work unless it's stiff enough. But when you have uh, when you have purpose in your life. It gives you something to go for, something to shoot for, something to strive for. Young men especially need purpose in life. Uh, Becoming a leader and and realizing the responsibilities that come with that. Man, that purpose gives you something worth living for, something worth fighting for. 
designated Dan. Man, I love our lay people at this church. Lay people. And I'm saying people that supposedly just work a job. And they love serving the Lord with that job. And a wonderful example we've all just seen last week was Mr. Haiti, a mill worker. I can just imagine being a mill worker and wanting, who knows how many times he thought, man, this is, I don't enjoy this and the swing shifts and all that stuff. But I guarantee you, and I know this for a fact, he saw his workplace as a ministry, a ministry. This is what I can do. We used to, before I get off on that one, uh, Mr. Haiti was witnessing to people, saw that workplace as a place to witness to somebody. Man, we have purpose in life. It changes our our whole perspective. We used to have a man in our church who worked also at the mill, worked swing shifts and all these crazy hours. And he made a dedication of his time to God. He said, all my my first 40 hours are for myself, and I'll tithe off that and whatever. But my overtime, anything I work overtime, is going to the Lord. So he was literally, think about that, literally, any of his overtime, he worked 60 hours a week, any of his overtime, he was working for the Lord. <laughs> he saw that as a something he could do. I may not be in full-time ministry, But I can do something with the the place, the designated place that God has for me. Some of you are bitter at your parents. Some of you are bitter at your situation. You're bitter at your home church. Boy, you need to get over that. You need to get past that and see what's my purpose. I got to move on to the next thing. I got to get some purpose in life. A designated Dan. Unfortunately, he didn't... uh, Stay dedicated to that. Secondly, let's talk about discontented Dan. Discontented Dan. Dan decides to move up north and take an easier place. Fight an easier battle. You know, Dan wasn't the only tribe to be dissatisfied with their law. I don't have time to turn there, but in Joshua chapter 17... There's another tribe who was given a, an area, it was Manasseh, and they came to Joshua and said, Joshua, our place isn't big enough. We have lots of people and we need more area. And what did Joshua do? He told them, there's wooded country. There's mountains with woods all over them. You can go there and take out those woods and you can have it. Now, what does that require? Work, right? It required a lot of work. So, But Dan wasn't the only one that was short on area. They just had to make more area. I I think of Dan here as the largest, one of the largest tribes, nearest the greatest enemy, but he wanted to move away where things were easier. Now, Christian life is not an easy life. It's better than the world. Christian life, though, is not an easy life. There's a lot of struggle that comes with this. Um, Life in general is not easy. I think, as was preached last night, we get this idea that the world doesn't seem to struggle like we do, that they have, have it easier. 
you know, you, you watch people that, you know, even especially in our area of Chesterton, it's a very well-off area, you, you watch people and you say, man, they live in these big fancy homes and they don't give their tithe and offerings to the church. They live in these big nice homes and they get to enjoy nice cars and, man, there's Teslas driving all over the place and Porsche SUVs and all these fancy vehicles. Man, they seem to have it easier. Well, that's not necessarily the case. If you're out and about, if you clean houses for some of these kinds of people, you know that's not the case. Uh, Children screaming at each other. Nobody seems to get along. A lot of trouble. It's not as easy. Life isn't easy. And the Danites wanted somewhere easier. They didn't want to conquer those Philistines. They wanted to take the easy city, the one that has no defenses, just easy place to go and conquer, Laish. Discontented Dan. They weren't happy where they were. Amos 6, 1 says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. They've conquered everything, and now they're just at ease. The land of Canaan, as you well know, Joshua and Judges, it's a place of battles. How many of you ever get tired in the Christian life? I do. Man, I get tired. I say, man, this is, this is just hard. But guess what? We have somebody that gives us the victory. And just like Joshua, he prayed, and Moses especially prayed, that God would give them the direction they were to go in. And God did. God was faithful. Discontented Dan. As I compare that, I, I have to think of Caleb here. Caleb was not like that, right? In Joshua chapter 14, Caleb says, wait, my turn. <laughs> when you're passing out the, uh, the tribal areas, remember, I have a mountain that I've claimed. And Caleb gives all the credit to God. The Bible says in that very passage, Joshua 14, that Caleb wholly followed the Lord uh, with, from, his, from his whole heart. He followed the Lord. He wasn't looking for something else. He wasn't looking to, to wander around the land of Canaan. He wanted a specific place, and he was trusting God to give that to him. Not discontented. Thirdly, my time's doing okay. Double-minded Dan. Double-minded Dan. Oh, here's a sad story. Dan was the place where... Jeroboam in 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 12, where Jeroboam is going to set up the golden calf. If you would turn there, 1 Kings chapter 12 and uh, verse number 25 and following. I'm not going to read the whole passage. Verse 28, the king took counsel and made two calves of gold, said unto them, It's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, has brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he set the one in Bethel, and the other put he in Dan. Well, of course he did. Why wouldn't he go to Dan? Now, number one, I understand. Dan's the far north. Bethel's the far south. So all of the northern kingdom is covered. But it also makes sense that he would set up this golden calf in a place where they already have a graven image, in a place where they already have their own priestly system, and to add another priestly system isn't that big a deal. By the way, Jeroboam, he changed the course, the feast days. He changed the time of the month where they would celebrate the feast. 
And uh, he changed, of course, the object of worship. Before they were supposed to go to the temple at Jerusalem, now they're going to this place, Bethel, and worshiping a golden calf. And by the way, that place is still in existence. You can go there and visit where that was. He also changed the priesthood using non-Levitical priests. See, every, all-inclusive, right? Remember that? Oh, we're inclusive. Everybody can be a part of this. You know that old system where, where you have to be a Levite in order to be a priest. That old system where you have to worship God on the day of the month that he said you have to worship. Man, it's a little bit easier to just be more inclusive and to be more relaxed. Oh, listen, we live in such a time of of the relaxing of of everything that's good and right and old-fashioned. Old-fashioned is a bad word in most areas. I'm afraid sometimes if you're not careful, you're going to think without even realizing, old-fashioned is bad. We've got to follow the new trends, the new music style, the new this and the new that. Boy, you better be real careful. God's way is a specific way. God's way is a directed way. So this is a positive. Double-minded Dan, yes. They, they claimed to, or they, they had all of these other things set up, a different Levitical, not, not Levitical, priestly system, and a different thing, an object of worship, different days. But you know what? They still claim to be followers of the true God. How's that possible? Let, let me show you that. 2 Kings chapter 17. I know this isn't directly mentioning Dan here. But 2 Kings chapter 17, this is once the northern kingdom falls to the Assyrian Empire. Look at verse number 32. Now, I don't have time to develop this a lot, but the northern kingdom, after they fell, the northern kingdom, uh, not the northern kingdom, the people that lived in what was formerly the northern kingdom, they, they were having lots of troubles. And the Bible says that lions were in the land. And people got scared and superstitious. And so they called in for some priests to come in and teach the way of the God of heaven. The way of the God of the land of Canaan. And the Bible says in verse number 32, So they feared the Lord. And this would include Dan. They're in the north. Verse 33, They feared the Lord. Now, scratch your head on this one. They feared the Lord and served their own gods. After the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. This includes Dan in the north. They're worshiping the God of heaven, the God of Canaan, and their own gods. You say, how's that possible? It's a mixture. You can do whatever you want. Get your own gods. I live in this area, so this is my God. But I'll respect your God. I'll be nice and respectful. I'll I'll treat your God of earth or God of stone or God of gold. I'll treat them with respect. I'll fear them both. I'll accept this other form of worship as well. And double-minded Dan is a part of this. Listen, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve Jesus and follow after the world. The Bible says, he that is not with me is against me. There's only one choice. 
and the new things and, and the, 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 the worldly things, you have to reject those. Again, a great illustration last night. You have to turn your back on the world. We can't accept, oh, let's just accept everybody. Again, it's this relaxed atmosphere. And I think, I think the tribe of Dan is such a good picture of this that uh, we, just, we just get along and we just accept what's there and, and loosen the standards and loosen, relax everything a bit. I, I, I really, I mention this, I feel often, and I feel like it's an issue that we need to address. Um, and, and that is to have a sanctity, a sacredness between the male and the female, between the genders, a sacredness. I mean, it used to be, I know, I know it's hard for you all to imagine this. It used to be a special thing for a guy to call a young lady on the phone. You know, that's, that's the least of, you know, of what happens in the world today. Now it's pictures, it's videos, it's constant texting and calling. Our, our young people that ride our buses, I feel so sorry for these 7th and 8th graders. Their mind is consumed. These boys that I work with, their mind is consumed with the opposite gender. They're not thinking about life. They're not thinking about anything else except corruption and perversion. What's happened? There's not a sanctity. There's not a separation. There's not a sacredness. Relax. Everything's okay, they say. Yeah, and this is the result. We, we have a world that's, uh, that's just loosened all of these kinds of standards and, and uh, accepted this looseness. And I think the tribe of Dan, the, the city of Dan, is such a great picture of that. Loosen it down. Relax. Believers want to hold hands with God and the world at the same time. Christianity today looks no different than the world. Acts no different, talks no different, sings no different, entertains no different. Our inter- everything is like the world, it seems like. In most of Christianity today, and we're called to be different from that. We're called to stand out. The paganism of this false god worship of double-minded Dan has crept into our churches and we worship the God of lust along with the true God. We worship the God of entertainment along with the true God. We worship the God of ease and relaxation along with the true God. The God of laziness. We worship the God of... Man, don't we, in our society, we love relaxing and and me time and nine to five work hours. Not you guys, college students don't know what nine to five is. But, man, we have nine to five or whatever our time work frame is. And then it's time to go home and sit down. And what does the world do? They go home and relax with the TV and a beer. That's the world's view of what their evening is about. Life is about showing up to work, coming back home, and doing nothing. The God of laziness and the God of truth. 
the God of rebellion and the God of truth still claim to be a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian. You know, I said a prayer when I was eight years old. I'm a Christian. Man, we have two gods. We have more than one God. Double-minded Dan. And again, I go back to Caleb. What did Caleb say? Here's the opposite. Caleb said, I have wholly followed the Lord. The only way to have true success and victory and true Christianity is to wholly follow the Lord. And that brings me to the last thing. Wow, i got to be done. Defeated Dan. Dan is defeated. Defeated Dan. What, what happens to the tribe of Dan? They disappear. Just like God said it would. You say, what do you mean? The world passeth away. The world passeth away. The northern kingdom passed away. Listen, when, when we sin, when we're like the world, when we're like the surrounding nations, when we're like everybody else, I don't know how many times I've heard, everybody's like this. Dad, everybody's wearing this. Everybody says this. It's a good, good danger right there, right? But they were defeated. John the Apostle takes the tribe of Dan out of the list in the 144,000 of Revelation chapter 7. Early Christian writers, some call them church fathers, early Christian writers believe that the Antichrist will come from the tribe of Dan because he's not listed in Revelation chapter 7. Beware of Dan. Beware of Dan. Dangerous Dan. He's a picture of of the world, holding hands with God. He's a picture of a relaxed standard. He's a picture of ease. He's not a picture of the battle. Listen, if you have an issue, a struggle, if you have a sin in your life, or many sins, if you have something in your life, or your bitterness at parents, or at church, or that the place in your life, you're in the place of Dan. And what you need to do is trust God and go out and fight that battle. Don't move. Don't go somewhere else. Don't say, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else where it's easy. Don't do that. Stay there and fight that battle. And it's not you that does it. I get it. It's God that does that. But you can have the victory if you'll trust God and fight the Philistines. Fight the Amorites. Trust God. He'll get, he, God will figure out some way to do it. We're talking about class this morning. God might do hailstones. Throw it down on the enemy. That's not fair. God might march around the city of Jericho and flick the walls down. God will do something, but he'll give you the victory if you'll trust him. Chariots are no match for the Lord, right? They're no match for the Lord. Just trust God. Don't be defeated. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discontented with your place in life. Don't move off somewhere else. Just trust God and deal with what he has for you right now in your place, his place for you. Beware of Dan. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around, please. Are you living in Dan? Are you one of the Danites in heart? Are you afraid or just not willing, maybe too lazy to go into your territory that God has for you and just to conquer it? 
What are you doing with your place? Lord, I ask that you'd help us today to conquer. Help us to be on the offensive. Lord, help us to trust you. Lord, there are some that allow sin in their lives that was never meant to be there. And they just think they can coexist. Lord, I pray that they would realize today they can get victory and life is so much better living in victory. Please help us today in this invitation time to make some decisions. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand to our feet with heads by eyes closed.